Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes the bottom 100 as well. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing okay, Darren. I'm, I'm, I'm really fine. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> just in case I was worried. Just how, how are you? I think I am as well as it is possible for a person to be in the situation in which we find ourselves <laughs> talking about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, but it's okay. Do you know, like, like I'm appreciative, Darren, because of how much you apologize for this movie beforehand. So, I, like, I, I think this, the, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, we should apologize loads. And I don't think the movie will be as bad for that. <laughs> Because, like, because, yeah, because you've been forewarned. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's okay. I'm, I, uh, I dreaded watching the movie, but I'm thrilled to talk about it because we have two spectacular guests. The host of the Sunday presents, first of all, the fantastic Kira Maloney. How are you, Kira? Uh, yeah, I'm grand. Considering. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, there's always an asterisk. There's a Thanks caveat. for having me. Our, our pleasure. Thank you for doing this. And we also have the wonderful Dean Buckley. How are you, Dean? I'm grateful that at least we're going to get a podcast out of out of the movie. Yeah, so, there was because we we were supposed to do this and then it it was cancelled, and I was very very resentful of having watched this movie for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so this is this is the redemption today. To, today I feel tops. We're, I'm getting this off my chest. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is the peak. This is as good as somebody who has watched this movie could possibly feel. Um, exactly. Y- yes, like a, little a, bit. a blackhead removal video where, where, <laughs> where, where, where it's going to be satisfying to kind of have ex- 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 expulged it. Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> Even if there's nothing but gross slime inside. I wish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, blood and honey, if you will. but yes so uh, we are talking about Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey written and directed by Reese Frake Waterfield who is mostly known throughout his career as a producer he's responsible for such movies as Fire Nado uh, for example um, and various other direct-to-video schlock as well like Dinosaur Hotel and The Wrath of Van Helsing a very long very illustrious Dinosaur Hotel I've got Myers picked up as that too um, yeah that was the one that jumped out that sounds wonderful <laughs> it's there, it's a hotel for dinosaurs there's, there's also Dinosaur Prison that the the star Boo. is going to be in the 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 woman who played um maria that's her her upcoming project is dinosaur prison okay so the dinosaur franchise yeah <laughs> i do like that I we get, take there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, are, are they being made concurrently? Back-to-back <laughs> back sequels. Like, like, like Lord of the Rings. Dinosaur Asylum, Dinosaur Hospital, Dinosaur <laughs> School, I guess. Di- dinosaur Asylum really did revolutionize, like, uh, fight gameplay, um, in <laughs> fairness. <laughs> but... I want to ask, actually, so I, I get the sense that, Kira, you probably wouldn't have watched this unless I reached out and asked you to. Maria Taylor, oh, by the way. Yes, it's, it's the <laughs> But sorry, Kira. Uh, no, I wouldn't have. No, I don't think so. Dean, 
would you have watched this? I think the reason why I reached out to the two of you is because you had very graciously had me on your podcast to talk about a movie that I loved and at least one of you loved as well. Um, and I was like, how can I repay the favor? Let's have you guys back on to talk about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. But I think one of the reasons I asked was because I think knowing Dean's taste, Dean, would you have watched this if I hadn't have asked you to? I wouldn't have watched it uh, for entertainment purposes. And <laughs> I still haven't. Um, but I I would have watched it out of out of interest in, in related topics like copyright and fanfic and adaptation and morbid curiosity possibly but mostly because it's sort of in a very sad sad way this is is something of a historically notable yes. film yeah we should we should talk about that i, th- I get the sense that's going to be more interesting to talk about than the actual <laughs> film itself because this is notable as arriving as a bunch of intellectual property finally finally, finally leaves the protection of the Copyright Extension Act. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, we can talk very, very briefly through this, but originally back in like 1790, the copyright term was just 14 years. So you created a work of art and after 14 years, it entered the public domain and people could do whatever they wanted to with it after that point. Unless you were alive at the end of the 14 years, then you could get a 14 year extension but you personally, the author, had to be alive. You couldn't be just your kids couldn't show up and go, we want more. We want more. Yeah, that is it exactly. And what's interesting is that as we've entered the modern age of kind of intellectual property of large corporations of gigantic conglomerates, obviously that ownership has shifted away from the author, the creator, the writer, the artist, and shifted into the corporation, the company itself. And companies do not die. They're like bad food. They're like food. They don't die. They just go off. But you have the the idea that Disney, as one of the biggest owners of the most lucrative pool of copyright in existence, has continuously throughout its history pushed to extend the boundaries of copyright with a specific eye on the creation of Mickey Mouse in Steamboat Willie. Mm -hmm. So I believe in 1976... They lobbied in favor of the Copyright Act, which was just as Steamboat Willie was about to enter the public domain. Uh, In 1998, they supported the Sonny Bono Copyright Term (laughs) Extension Act, which was, I believe, unofficially known as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act um, in academic and in legal circles. And what's interesting is that they either didn't try or weren't able to force another extension to that as we reach kind of the end of that extension, as we reach 20 years later. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff uh, becoming available in like uh, 2034 or something, isn't there? Well, I mean... Like Batman. Even though I I guess like, yeah, you you have people kind of already doing stuff like that. The, 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 um, the, The People's Joker... Yes. Like but that 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 got into so much uh, uh trouble though. Yes, as opposed to being something that exists completely free of copyright. Now obviously we should be clear, uh when you're dealing with these characters, it's only the earliest appearances that enter the public domain. So with Mickey Mouse for example, it's only the version of the character who appears in Steamboat Willie. It's not later editions of the character such as yeah. the you know, softening of his facial features, the the voice even, uh the color of his pants, all that stuff so- is still owned by Disney. 
Yeah, I, I was looking at like like you can make a James Bond um, film, but there can't be like a gun barrel opening <laughs> scene or or, or like a, you can't have or Q or any of the stuff from the movies. Yes, essentially, nor could could you can't you can't really reference back to them either. Yeah, no, you can't. Um, and again, it's worth noting that. As a result of this, obviously, pop culture stagnated. There was a sense of not... The public domain basically remained stagnant between the late 90s and January 1st, 2019, which saw the first new additions to public domain in several decades, which included Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments, Agatha Christie's second Hercule Poirot model, Murder on the Links, and apparently as of 2024, next year, Mickey Mouse will enter public domain. Yes! I know. Yes. Have you guys been tracking the? You know, pe- people have. I I feel like a lot of the time when people talk about this story, Mickey Mouse seems like the villain, but really he's like. You know, he's going to be finally free. Yeah, he's the princess in the tower from from these evil clutches. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's he's Britney Spears in a conservatorship, <laughs> and he's going to finally be free and be able to do whatever he wants. Yeah, I feel like it's it it's going to be like Jenny in Forrest Gump, though. Is it like the you want respect? Oh, she's that's the version of the sixties that Mickey's going to live through. Is it? Yeah, he's he's just going to like have a terrible time when he when he thinks he's he's been kind of liberated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that does make sense. If but, if, yeah. if 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 this is anything to go by, but Mickey Mouse cannot cannot die. Burn the house, so free the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. But Kira, do you have any thoughts about this this public domain? The idea that we are finally entering a phase where after decades of stagnation, this corporate intellectual property is entering the public domain for artists to do with what they please. Before we talk about the movie in, specifically, do you have any thoughts in general about that? Um, I think that it's extremely important and long overdue. And... Um, like it's just disgusting for maybe disgusting is the wrong word but like the the way that because it'd be one thing if it was the artists who actually made things yeah. continuing to profit off their work um but it's just companies that probably screwed them over in the first place yeah and it sucks it sucks i hate it um and i love i just i love the public domain Every, I, I everything should be public domain within reason um mm. and you know it's like uh how to describe it like when you have uh okay you know when when people are talking about how comic book movies are are great um to try and piss off martin scorsese and they always talk about how like these are the the myths of our time or whatever yes and it's like if they are then why are they owned by like a guy Shouldn't they yeah. be well, the common property of all man? So corporations are people too, <laughs> <laughs> and they have feelings. Yeah, <laughs> they leg- can be hurt leg- by striking. Legal dragons. persons yeah. with feelings. Yeah, <laughs> legal feelings. <laughs> legal feelings. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I think that is that is the big. It's my thing. second album. <laughs> <laughs> legal feelings. <laughs> but I like that. That I think is the thing for me, where it's like. Whatever to talk about an individual owning and profiting from something they created. 
it's the fact that so many of these properties and these properties specifically are like the work of exploitation and they're the work of artists who were never fairly compensated for the work they did in the first place. Kira, you mentioned comic book you, artists. You, like, but, but you know that Sylvester Stallone does not own any part of Rocky? Yeah. Well, he was kicked off Creed 3 basically by, by Irvin Winkler, wasn't he? Yeah, it's, yeah. And he, uh, I noticed that when he wrote like a public letter to, to Irvin Winkler saying, please, let me own some part of Rocky. It's my baby. Um, shortly after that, I noticed that clips from Rocky started appearing in gambling ads. Oh, yeah. I wonder if those two things are related. And uh, just like it's, it's, oh, I'm so bad about it. I didn't know, know about that. That's, that's really horrifying. Yeah. And again, like the fact that the people who created like, you know, again, you mentioned the comic book movies and the, the, the idea of them as myths, but the idea that they're the biggest things on Earth. And you have people like the creator of Rocket Raccoon, uh, Bill Mantlo, like he's struggling to do Kickstarters um, to pay for surgery that he vitally needs. You have Sorry, story- the, the creator of Rocket Raccoon and oh. Ghost Rider um, and like several of these extended like big, massive multi-million dollar properties. I mean, sure, um, Ed Brubaker has said that, like, he got more money for his cameo in The Winter Soldier than he did for creating the character of The Winter Soldier. He made more money off appearing in the background of a shot in a movie than he did for creating this character who has appeared in dozens of movies. It's a weird thing, because sometimes, like, these companies have to go to great lengths not to use characters that have already been established in order not to pay writers that have created them. Like, it happens in Star Trek all the time. Yeah. Well, that's because like, those terms are different. Yeah. yeah. That's because, as opposed to, like, comic books where you sign away everything. Like, Segal and Schuster, the guys who created Superman, are a prime example of this. Jack Kirby, who created so much of the Marvel Universe, where Kirby's big thing, he, he didn't even want money. He wanted ownership and he wanted acknowledgement. He didn't want, like, payment for it because he was constantly creating new stuff. Although, I'm sure he would have happily taken adequate payment but a large part of like his <laughs> argument a large part of his argument in the later part of his career was the idea of no these things are mine i created them and they're not acknowledged as such nobody will admit that they're mine nobody will acknowledge that i'm an artist who did these things nobody will concede that i am responsible for a large part of this success because they're I owned su- by the brand i suppose when you get given money you can say you see this this is acknowledgement but <laughs> but but with acknowledgement you can't say like yeah you can't really this spend is it money. on shop yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah but dean what about yourself in terms of like the public domain in terms of copyright particularly in an ip dominated era do you have any thoughts before we jump into talking about Grise frake waterfields winnie the pooh blood and honey well as i'm sure you know if i could get myself like over as one kind of guy it would be the mad about copyright guy uh, <laughs> so i like i i bring up the fact that the first copyright term was for is that a job i <laughs> like, if it is i if it is i want it it's on the business card i have here um he gave me during the miami vice episode um, like, <laughs> it, we're sorry dean but the, there there is a second Mad about copyright guy. <laughs> um, if, if you want to be them, you could be a. Yeah, you can be a mad about copyright guy. We're not sure we can. You could be the. I'll, I'll bring up the fact that the first copyright term was fourteen years. Let's just in random conversation. Like I'm constantly furious about the fact that like like that that this new wave of stuff that's entering public debate for the first time is from the 1920s. Yeah, like. 
that would be uh, first of all that would be like if Frankenstein wasn't in the public domain when they made the first Frankenstein movies that's how long ago like that's how far apart it would be and and actually it would be like <sighs> sorry I'm just getting mad Dad. no go for it <laughs> I'm just getting I'm just getting mad are you mad as hell and you're not gonna take it anymore <laughs> exactly I am the band of the thing about copyright for me in terms of the way it's caused cultural stagnation is everybody needs to be able to riff. Uh, everybody needs to be able to riff, be able to riff on each other's work and on the artists who inspired them and and to be able to play around with the these ideas and concepts and characters and not have this big red outline around them going, you can't have it this percent similar to this thing or you set off the getting sued alarm uh and but can't can't you do that though as as, as in like um parody you know, fair use that's sort of that no it would it even like more subtle than that like if ever i'm creating uh something i will i will, I will steal from from everything else and i i think that if if my if stuff i created was for public consumption i'd have to be be you may <laughs> like, have to change just a little more i have to change a little more a little. but uh, but like you know the the um like like say christopher nolan when he's making like the Bat- batman movies mm. he's thinking about uh, heat or he's thinking about blade runner but uh, he like he 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 can talk about you know them being kind of some sort of an inspiration of his movies, but he doesn't have to pay those people. Well, first I would say that Christopher Nolan is doing that with one of the biggest teams of lawyer copyright lawyers in the world behind him in that scenario. So that helps. As uh, someone making, let's say Vic Vera Drew making the People's Joker right, is a perfect example. She made that right. without the world's largest uh, army of lawyers behind her well, on the opposite side yeah like the the only difference between um vera drew making the people's joker and christopher nolan making batman begins from a legal perspective is that they one of them got a permission slip from warner brothers and the other didn't and that permission slip is worth billions of dollars it, like that permission slip means warner brothers get to that's not that's that's permission for them to hand out and also that's their permission slip to say give us all the money that anybody's making off of all this stuff uh, and if we catch you making money off of any of this stuff without one of these permission slips uh we'll destroy we we have we retain the right to destroy you and uh that seems like a really uneven playing field for creative expression and one where even to the extent that you obviously can still, you know, borrow and and when you're creating, it means you're always, always like in the back of your mind somewhere. I I do this when I'm coming up with like superheroes for fun and thinking <laughs> just in case I ever write a story about this guy, I got to be really careful not to I got to be really careful to keep in mind the the, the corporate prerogatives of five conglomerates just to be safe and make sure you don't overlap with any of them yeah <laughs> you can't yeah you can't use mayor mccheese <laughs> as great I'm a sorry. villain as he would make as great a villain as he would make <laughs> the, the jaws mayor 
Cross with Mayor Machine. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With the he's got a, a like um a, like a, a ham hamburger print on on his <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so maybe then we'll we'll shift to talking about Winnie the Let's Pooh. Stop what we're doing. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel, I feel like I'm the uncool dad who's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut this down. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Darren is being the Disney and shutting down unauthorized use of creative. Yeah, creative thought. That's what I'm doing. Um, but yes, okay. So obviously, Winnie the Pooh, created by AL Mill. Bought by Disney for, I believe, like $350 million, to give you a sense of the IP value. In 2001, Disney paid $350 million for the rights to own Winnie the Pooh up until those rights expired. Um, Obviously, with this stuff entering into the public domain, uh, our wonderful director slash producer slash con man slash hustler, (laughs) Reese Frake Waterfield, uh, saw an opportunity. He saw that this was entering the public domain and he thought, I can make a low-budget exploitation slasher using this intellectual property as a marketing tool. And we should note that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was shot for under $100,000. It has, to date, grossed $5.2 million at the international box office. That's not including, say, sell-through and secondary markets. That uh, wasn't updated today for when... No, for when, when I paid money for us to watch this movie. <laughs> no. um, it grossed $1.7 million at the American box office. It grossed nearly a million dollars in Mexico, where it was apparently fiendishly popular in its opening weekend it was so successful that fathom events who were supposed to screen it over a single night extended the run for 10 days 10 days coincidentally being the exact amount of time the cast and crew spent shooting this movie very short very quick production turnaround on it as well and again just to give a sense of the copyright and how entangled this stuff can be aa milne's original winnie the pooh stories are now in public domain how and ever Subsequent additions to the mythos aren't. So, and Frake Waterfield has talked about this where it's like he would have to, whenever he had an idea for the movie, he would have to Google it to make sure that it could be traced back to the original text and not to any subsequent text. So, for example, the character of Tigger does not appear in this movie because A.A. Milne created him several years later and he won't be in the public domain for another couple of years. Pooh does not wear his red shirt in this movie because that was a creation of Disney. Uh, He also does not speak in this movie in part because Frank Waterfield felt that it would be very difficult to do a voice for the character that did not sound like Jim Cummings' iconic Winnie the Pooh performance. Also, at no point does anybody in this movie say, oh, bother, Um, because again, (laughs) that would be something that would... um, that would impugn. They come close. Like, they do fuck, come. Fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, oh, shit. <laughs> and in fact, eagle-eyed viewers will note the title of the movie is Winnie hyphen the hyphen Pooh, which is the spelling of the original A.A. Mill novel. It is not how Disney spell the name because that has not yet entered the public domain. Again, it's very interesting how you're dancing between raindrops. But I want to ask, Kira, Dean, Andrew, were you guys at all aware of this movie before I reached out to you? So, Kira, like, had you heard about this movie uh, before it was released? Uh, yes. I had seen, like, a poster for it or whatever. I hadn't seen a trailer or anything, I don't think. Um, And I was 
aware of it as being an attempt to capitalize on on Wee the Pooh going into the public domain. Um, and uh, that that was about it. All right. I'm going to apologize again. I am sorry. <laughs> uh, Dean, as I believe you described yourself as the copyright guy. Aspiring, yes. I assume you were watching this very closely. I wasn't like, I didn't have a Google alert going, but like, <laughs> I, I was waiting and seeing what was coming out of bed and I watched the trailer. I basically guessed what it was going to be about immediately just from a history with like dark fanfic about like children's media and stuff and creepypasta and all that sort of stuff but i was like what's what's a guy dean, dean was a huge slender man guy back in the day i was oh uh and uh i i saw this was coming in and i was like i know exactly what the kind of minds who would be working on this for these cynical reasons are going to do and I was like, uh, they're going to make the uh, animals of the Hundred Acre Woods cannibals. And I was right. Yep. <laughs> and that was my exposure to <laughs> Woody the Pooh Blood Nunny. Um, we, we should note, by the way, that again, this is another one of the copyright terms where apparently one of the ideas that Waterfield was bouncing around was the idea of him being a teddy bear like he is in the Disney one. But he was like, no... A, that's too close, and B, that would also be very like Chucky. So he was like, no, for copyright reasons, it's going to be a straightforward slasher movie in the style of Texas Chainsaw or Halloween. I'm hearing a lot of, I was going to do something awesome, but then I realized it would be too much effort, so I blame <laughs> Disney. <laughs> yeah. that, that is also, it probably would have cost more than $100,000 and taken longer than 10 days to get in the can. God forbid something would be like Chucky. Yeah, that's not, a, yeah. that's not a successful film. That's not <laughs> a, or beloved. Um, <laughs> that's not making anyone money. No, it's certainly not something we've talked about in the podcast on length with a great deal of affection. Yeah, he discovered that it's 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 not actually child's play. <laughs> um, but uh, things are more complicated than. Sorry, I like it. Um, Andrew, before I mentioned this to you, you had no idea this existed. No, I'm no, guessing based no. on your reaction to the words "Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "What? What is that?" <laughs> <laughs> and why are we talking? Dar about Darren, you can't just say words. <laughs> are you <laughs> like, are you okay? Yeah, um, I feel like he's having some sort of attack of some kind. Exactly. And we should note, by the way, that this is a movie on the bottom 100. It has a score of 2.9 with 20,000 votes against it. Um, it is the 56th worst movie of all time, according to IMDb voters. That places it, and again, I don't know whether we're following Price is Right rules, but at 57, Scary Movie 5, and at 54... That would make it very... Yeah, it's very confusing to know, like, how does that work? Yeah, even when we low or high. Even when, when we explain how the rules yeah, are. Yeah, so I'm just going to give numbers. <laughs> yeah. So at, 50, at 58, it's Dumb and Dumberer when Harry met Lloyd. At 57, it's Scary Movie 5. At 56, it's Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. At 55, it's Tismar Khan, the Indian movie. At 54, it's uh, Anti-Life. At 52, it's The Open House, a classic of the 250 podcast genre. Um, open House? Open House. That's the one that we talked about. It's the one where it's the, the that has, I think you described as incredibly porny vibes. It's the one about the boy and his mother. 
Oh, we we've seen that. We have, yeah. yeah. That's, that's why I said it's a... <laughs> it's a net Netflix. They, yes, it's they, the Netflix. They gave someone like two million uh, dollars or something yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a more Andrews like we could make a movie that we could sell for like twenty million dollars to Netflix, right? <laughs> exactly. uh, but okay. So before we jump into the talking about the movie in a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Before we jump into the movie in a bit more depth, three questions to get us started. So, Kira, do you think this is one of the worst 100 movies ever made? It's a, it's a toughie because um, I did hate it and think it was really bad. But 100, the 100 worst, bo- like, like, that's, like, that's a pretty low, like, there's a lot of movies. <laughs> and... You know, it's in focus. Right. It's, you can hear the dialogue, mostly. Um, They got a drone. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, the... What even is a movie? When you think about it. So, it's possibly in the 100 worst films that I have seen. But I, I don't know if I can be as definitive about it. It's it's difficult, I guess, these days to make a very bad movie, maybe, because there are so many people... Oh, I think it's much easier. Oh, really? But uh, the, like the, the, to, to, to make a bad movie like this, because there are so many people who go to college to learn how to do it right and are willing to be paid nothing. <laughs> um, so they yeah. will shoot it in focus. Uh, yeah. And they will sense. use like, yeah, cameras. I was right. thinking about how um, a lot more, it's a lot easier to make a film, Any which movie. means it's yeah. a lot easier to make a bad film. I, probably the peak of trying to make a bad film is like post when consumer grade cameras come out, but before... There's a lot of film school graduates. Mm. That's our period. The perfect space. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose Where the you, technology is there, but the talent is. You can have somebody yeah, yeah. who's <laughs> like, I don't want any of those film school graduates because, you know, they don't know the streets like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John Peters. Um, yeah. uh, special guest, John Peters. Yeah. Um, but, Dean, what about yourself? Do you think this is the 56th worst movie ever made? No, I don't think it's interesting enough to make the bottom 100 worst movies ever made. Um, Doesn't like we were... that make it more worse? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Boredom has a, has a sort of natural ceiling as an experience, but horror and disgust and frustration, they can all go much, much more further, you know? Um I like you make it sound kind of zen-like. It's like if a movie is so boring, you reach a level of awareness. <laughs> like, it's kind of spiritual. Yeah, well, there, there there are also movies that are so boring, it is just constantly annoying. Like The Spy Who Dumped Me, that's a just completely unrelated film. But no, uh, Blood and Honey... Like you were saying, it, this is it easier or harder to make bad movies? It's, it's harder for somebody intending to make a buck to uh, end up producing a, a completely technically incompetent film, uh, yeah. But you can you can go to the to to the farthest reaches of boring, soulless, uh, offensive, whatever you want. Uh, it's just you're probably not going to completely 
mess up like moving the camera or turning it on at the right times or having the right program like settings <laughs> programmed uh i just i just i just think there's so so many fascinatingly um like excruciatingly bad movies out there it's possible to imagine blood and honey holding a blood-soaked candle to them and andrew what about yourself um uh, do it, I love it, that you're actually thinking about this. That's always a good sign. Is, is it one of the 100 worst movies ever movies made? Ever made? Um, I feel like it belongs on the bottom 100. Like it feels of a piece with because it, it's not because we did watch Jeepers Creepers four, and it does feel very much in the same space as Jeepers Creepers four. Sure, yeah, yeah, and 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 it it and it, the open house, yeah, and and I think. Um, like the actual worst 100 movies, you know, they they won't be on the bottom 100 because not enough people will have seen them. Yeah. Um, it's very similar to like when we started out, the bottom 100 was just full of boring movies. Now yeah. it's full of interesting bad movies. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're. Remember Cross Crossfire? Crossover? What was the name? What was crossover, it? I crossover, think. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. crossover is something that happens in, in basketball. I remember seeing reference to that recently and thinking. And we I've, watched that and talked about that, it. We've watched that, but I've no... No, 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 <laughs> um, no recla- Did we like it? No, did we hate no, it? We didn't. No. <laughs> Kaloglin and the Black Prince. Remember that one? I do remember that. I think <laughs> okay. that was the first one we ever did. And yeah. I, I felt like it had its shining lights in it. I, I felt like some of the jokes were okay. All right. Uh, Kaloglin and the Black Prince is a Turkish kind of a, you know, a not another scary movie sort yeah. of a thing. Where it's like um, not not another, what would you call it? Turkish historical epic. Not another Turkish <laughs> historical epic. <laughs> yeah. They should have called it that. Not, not another Turkish sword and sandal movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But very specifically was, Turkish, was which is very like, interesting watching it for yeah, us. Yeah, it was sort of like 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 it was kind of making fun of three hundred, but it would also like make fun of things like the ring. I think at one yeah. point, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it, and, and also, I guess, so it's Turkish. It's Turkish epic movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, and yeah, Troy. I guess meet the Spartans, well. uh, and presumably a whole bunch of actual Turkish cinema that we had no frame of reference. For. <laughs> yeah. uh, but okay, and then Turkish people have strong opinions on movies. They, they a, do. There, there are a lot of them on the bottom one hundred, and a couple on the top two fifty as well. It was yeah. like they had to change. Like they changed the top two fifty to marginalize again sorry sorry for the tangent here but to like take out all the indian movies to make it more anglo-centric we talked about this they did it a couple of years ago and they did a couple of years before that as well the, that also had the effect of marginalizing a whole bunch of turkish movies as well because the the imdb list has to be anglo-centric um which is not great not great they never changed the bottom 100 though they were never like no there's too many indian movies on the bottom 100 there's too many turkish movies in the bottom 100 like you guys can have that the top 250 though that has to be american-centric and english-centric yeah. Um, on European centric in general. Maybe Japan can get a couple as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, uh, I, I, I think it's right as well that how, how did you watch this? It was on uh, uh, Apple? Yes. It, well, it is. It's widely available on like Google Play and stuff like that. Oh, well, that's good. Because I, I, I don't think you ought to have to um, 
uh, <laughs> like be be party to some crypto mining. Yeah, watch it, watch it through a, a Russian casino website, which is how we watched Vladimir Putin's uh, Crimea, which is his historical <laughs> epic about the necessity of the Russian military intervention uh, in Crimea. It was on the bottom 100, I swear. Um, full of lines <laughs> like, these people have lives and rights. These people have lives and rights as the Russians intervene to protect the Ukrainians from themselves. It is quite an experience. But no, I, I do not think that Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey belongs on the, the list of the 100 worst movies ever made. No. No. I think Dean mentioned it earlier, and it's worth kind of zeroing in on. I think this is a movie that is kind of historically important for better and for worse in that it signals the idea that it is literally fair game on this sort of intellectual property as a statement of intent. It is an incredibly yeah. cynical cash grab. It arguably has no artistic merit whatsoever. But it's as a that part scene, of the point, though. Yeah. That's the, the thing that worries me is that like people are like, oh, culture is stagnating because like we can't, we can't, we, and, and, and then when it becomes... Uh, you know, open source or like public <laughs> domain is like let's create shit. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> you know? we, this is what the 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 stagnated world knows how to do with 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 what it's getting now that it's finally getting it. This is this is the world we've created a world where Maybe. stuff enters the public domain and the first thing that is done with it <laughs> is it is put on a goddamn assembly line maybe we then maybe this is why we can't have nice things well i i literally wrote in my notes that winnie the pooh blood and honey is a genius psyop to bolster copyright for <laughs> turning people against the public domain yeah. <laughs> and apparently it's working so. It worked on Andrew. I mean, <laughs> like there, there is, I think, something in that kind of again that argument that capitalism can imagine. It's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. But the idea that, like, as soon as these things that have been held in copyright controlled by these large corporations, as soon as they are turned into a public resource, as Dean said, literally the first thing that some huckster figures out how to do with them is to turn them into a cheap, low-rent, mass-producible example of exactly the kind of stuff that the large corporation was doing with them. I think for... And again, it's worth noting... If Orson are... Welles was still with us, he, he would make an incredible... <laughs> <laughs> In Bulgaria, probably, yeah. I mean, like, it is... You guys are probably aware of this. Jagged Edge Productions, which is, you know, the flagship brand of Waterfield as a filmmaker. It has already revealed to The Hollywood Reporter that it is developing Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare. This year at Cannes, they sold the rights for Bambi the Reckoning for Why millions of dollars. Why were they at Cannes? <laughs> the March to Cannes. Everybody's at Cannes. Um, yeah, no, the, like, obviously the, they weren't at the film festival. They were at the market adjacent to the film festival. Even then, how could they afford <laughs> that kind of... You, you, you know what? Wait, I, I'm such a sucker because you said that they're going to make Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare and Bambi the Reckoning. And I was like, oh, neat. <laughs> that was my immediate thought and it's like no they won't be good they won't be good they'll fuck yeah those are good titles to 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 hear announced by a very different film studio or production company or whatever it would be it would like but making a horror movie about peter Pan, like of course you should make a horror movie about peter Pan. peter Pan kills the lost boys when they start growing up 
I that's like canon. I, I literally have a, an outline for a, a Peter Pan horror film. Like that is it is. Uh, well, you need to talk to Frakes Waterfield now. <laughs> <laughs> he is not going to pay for the location shoots, Darren. <laughs> he's by the way, he is he is directing Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare, but he is just producing Bambi the Reckoning. He's moving into the Kevin Feige role of this, and he's described it as the childhood horror universe that he wants to build. He's already working on a sequel to Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, um, and we should note as well he's going to rule thirty four like every. <laughs> um, but oh, but God. for. For horror, <laughs> like if you can think of it, I will make Rule a horror six, movie six, out six. of it. <laughs> yeah. we, like the quote here that he gave the Hollywood Reporter, the idea is that we're going to try and imagine they're all in the same world so we can have crossovers. People have already been messaging saying they really want to see Bambi versus Pooh. And it's kind of like, it's both impressive and depressing. Well, by the way, that, like, like the first thing you do with these characters when they enter the public domain is to do exactly what the corporations have been doing with them, but cheaper, dirtier, and for like a higher profit but, margin yourself. Like we can't make a Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. No, oh, uh, he's gotten there first. That's fair. yeah. No, yeah, that that, that we'd we have to do Winnie the Pooh rom com or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really in the, the, the I mean, um, there, there's, there, there's, yeah, that there's that book, the first book is in the, 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 the public domain, but it's not really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is my complicated sense of feelings about it, where the, I feel this is a historically important movie, and I feel like it's worth having on some list. It should certainly not be the top list, so maybe this is the right list for it. But I do also think, like, its existence is not a bad thing, if only because it signals that these things are now fair game, so to speak, you know? In a very, like, trollish way. <laughs> well, we'll get to that when we ask, what is this movie about? Yeah. But Kira, would this be in the worst 100 movies you've ever seen? I think you referenced this earlier, but would it be among the worst 100 movies you've ever seen? I mean, I, probably, I guess, maybe. I, 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 I disliked it very much. And, like, it... It's just really boring. Like, like, <laughs> you, you, like, I, and I love, like, cheap, like, assembly line slash Rixies <laughs> is the thing. Like, I think, I think, like, I could talk about Friday the 13th sequels for days, but, and, and, and speaking of copyright, I am furious that the 13th one hasn't come out yet. I've been waiting for years. Anyway. Um, but, but this is like very bad at being one of those. Like it, it's, I like what frustrates me about it is it should, it's a, I think it's a perfectly fine idea and they just fucked it up real bad, but not in an interesting way. And I never want to watch it again. So probably. I am so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Dean, would it be on your own bottom 100, the worst 100 movies you've ever seen? Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, okay, so no it's, hesitation. It, it's it's not like competitive for the bottom or anything, but it's definitely... I've seen probably, what, 2,000 movies? Is this in the bottom 5%? What definitely... <laughs> want to like definitely in the bottom five percent okay. like all right and andrew 
of the movies we subjected you to while doing this podcast, is this one of the worst 100 movies you've ever seen? Um, yeah, I, I think like it's 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 hard. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who are genuinely like, what have you done to my childhood? To my childhood. Well, I think that that's when, why it's when, on the bottom 100. I think yeah. like a large part of it being on the bottom 100 is that moral outrage because there was. And again, Dean as the uh, cop complaint about copyright guy will probably agree with this, but it's, you know, you have the major newspapers all coming out and going, what have they done to your childhood? Look at this yeah. filthy Winnie the Pooh slasher movie. These degenerates are making, uh, don't look, you want to extend copyright for another 50 years? movie that Darren's making everybody watch. Yeah, <laughs> I was sorry. like, Darren, don't do this. Darren, <laughs> no, I'm Darren, sorry. to be friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I left. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know what would happen. <laughs> yeah. They, they, like the thing is that like this movie is a it's like oddly or maybe I was just tired but I I'm 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 going to go ahead and blame it for not keeping me awake. I don't know if it put me to sleep, but I <laughs> I I think I did nod off like briefly. It was also annoying though. Like in in the way that like a lot of horror movies are annoying, where it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, why are you people doing this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, we should stick together. Oh no, wait, we'll split up and close the door. Never mind. Stop him! Stop him! You could so easily stop him. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna just stay here and stare at what's happening. That's yeah, what I'm gonna do. In exactly. This yeah. Um, but yes. Um, so yeah, and for myself, I guess maybe. I think that the problem is that it is, as Kira said, it is mostly in focus. Yeah. It is like, <laughs> like it is mercifully 84 minutes short, although that does still feel like a lifetime. Aerial shots, yeah, music. Could, yeah. Um, it has all okay, of the ingredients of a film. Sound. Yeah. Yeah. And having like done film festivals, I'm like, I never take those things for granted anymore. The, the acting is... Is, oh, okay, well, maybe uh, I won't go that far. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's like I feel like it's. They it's, seem like real actors, exactly yes, to an they're, extent. Like yeah. they're not. They're you know they can. Two, two, two. It seems it seems like they understand the words they're saying. They're not like. Hey, they can speak English. Yeah, they're you not know? phonetically. Yeah, being repeated. Hello? Yeah. A lot of being an actor is being good looking as well, and, and, um, and, 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 and they're, they're, yeah, that 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 like uh, plenty of the actors have that, and the camera really uh, wants you to know the, that as well. And yeah, like again, did, proper did, I, did I ever tell you about when when I was in youth theater? There was like this special effects makeup guy came. He had done like labyrinth and stuff, oh. but he was in Sligo and he was showing us how to like make gore. Um, and somebody was asking, asked him, like, um, if if uh, if we're going to be actors, kind of like, uh, do you, like what what does it take to be like a successful actor? And he says, well, mostly you need to be very good looking. <laughs> and, but then he was like, but like if you're not, there there there's there's um, character role character roles. Yeah, you could be a character actor. <laughs> Um, um, I don't know. Was he thinking when he said it? Is this a good-looking child? I need to brace the child for disappointment. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, you should probably pay attention to what I'm doing. Um, but, <laughs> all right, and then Kira. Finally, if listeners have not watched Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey, which is available from streaming services around the world, you can put that money—that sweet, sweet money—in the <laughs> pockets of uh, Waterfield. Would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device? 
no. <laughs> All right, and Dean. No, no, they, sh- they shouldn't. <laughs> Um, but how will they keep up with Bambi the Reckoning? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, for my answer, there's going to be I've... solo movies before they cross over. Yeah, just to <laughs> set up the yeah. ramp. Yeah, I've yeah, that is my answer. Is like yeah, to wait until if if um the bambining ex- expanded the universe a little bit. Yeah, and then you can kind of like take a proper look back and appreciate all the Easter eggs they've woven into this film. <laughs> Yeah, with the care and attention, um, all the setup that they did. Maybe an assemble movie where Pooh is in it, and maybe that's a prequel, or maybe it's a, it's it's a sequel, depending on how the movie depending ends. on how the movie ends, which we're not going to reveal yeah. yet. Well, okay, well I don't want to poo poo the movie, but let's jump into the spoiler zone. So, Dean, as the complaints about copyright guy, what is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, about for you? It's about uh, a wee English twink who comes back to the extremely manicured forest where he... (laughs) He... he, he, It's really important to him that he shares... This childhood secret that he had with his, with his new fiance, wife to be, yeah, Mary. Yeah. Uh, it, it has not been important enough for him to have gone back at any point for like <laughs> thirteen years or something or right. whatever. I don't know, um, but it's really important that he shares his friends with his new wife, and then he ends up sharing his new wife with his friends because they turned into cannibals while he was gone. Ah. and then. Uh, he he's like, but Pooh, we were friends, <laughs> and then a, a bunch of girls, I don't know, a weekend away show up. It's a tale as old as time. It's it's very Campbellian, and um, then they are also <laughs> attacked by Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, and everyone dies except for Christopher Robin and. The point of the film and what it was about was money, 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 <laughs> give you money. We didn't think about this at all. Like, it's just things happen sort of in the shape of a movie, I guess. And then it's over. Yeah. I feel, I feel like uh, Chris Robin is the, the final girl. And I feel mm. like... But apparently the... only available for, like, four of the shooting days, it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, you... like, like Christopher, Christopher Robin should be the final girl, but he's he's... The movie is mostly about a group of totally anonymous young women who get killed one by one, which is fine, but, like, Christopher... Like, like if in Halloween Laurie just like wasn't involved in any of yeah. what was happening and then showed up at the end, it'd be like, What? This is what there's is a, it's there's a beautiful moment where they take him down from the chains where he's been like whipped with Eeyore's tail and doused in the blood of his wife to be and they hear the screaming of like Cassandra, one of the, the woman who they met earlier in the spare parts auto store. And he's like, you should go and go and investigate that. And they're like, but what about you? And it's like, 
no, you should go, go now. And it's like, well, I guess you'll, I guess you'll catch up to us later, and then disappears for another twenty minutes until he is driving a car. Is, is Charlene the the the? Yes, Charlene is the yes. yes. Charlene is the one. The fix like, is so easy. Just switch the names. Robin Christopher. Make Christopher Robin one of the girls. Done. Boom. Over. Fix. <laughs> There, I fixed. I fixed your goddamn movie Jay, with the you, first idea I had. But it has to be a fake out, where it's not about um, a, where it's not about a young woman overcoming trauma. Um, it's it's actually about this uh, uh, boy who did <laughs> um, who I guess we see like kind of objectified and like where he has like he's a like shirt chained off up and, and yeah he's. Uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't think it's quite as objectified as the women in this movie are. No, no. There's, there's a moment where Pooh tears a woman's shirt off before brutally murdering her immediately. And like, yeah, and I'm like, that feels just a bit excessive, even by the standards of the movies you're emulating. I was thinking Pooh is going to do that all the time. This is the MO. Disrobe, dismember. He does it to all the guys, too. That's how he ends up with his red shirt. Well, the, That's the origin story of his red shirt. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, because this is, this is pre, pre-red shirt, so he's... Yeah. He finds shirts confusing and strange. <laughs> um, I mean, we should note, by the he way, the trousers, though, by the way, controversially. Yes, and, I think that's shoes. what all those Daily Mail articles were about. <laughs> <laughs> he should obviously have worn a white shirt and have it get soaked in blood over the... I'm... Yes. Hire me and give me a budget and give me creative control and I can turn this ship around. <laughs> we should note by the way this was mysteriously pulled from Chinese cinemas which is a detail that I love because of obviously he looks like Xi Jinping yeah because he looks like Xi Jinping <laughs> so much like Xi Jinping I thought it was for a second I was just going to say that in many ways this film is, is an allegory for, for Chinese totalitarianism <laughs> you hear I, that I, China <laughs> we're on Zoom we are on Zoom the, the poo mask they actually as a base they used a she shaking paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, just it, built was up. it was like Halloween <laughs> with, uh, with the William, with the William Shatner, Shatner mask. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, exactly. we should note that the masks here, you'll be thrilled to hear, were not designed specifically for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the movie did not have the budget to do that. They were, in fact, bought from the company Immortal Masks. So you can buy your own Winnie the Pooh and Piglet mask if you feel oh, the need exciting. to. You can buy your own Winnie the Pooh and a pig mask, to be <laughs> yeah. clear. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's it's worth noting. And we've, we've just come out of a season talking about the Halloween movies. And thank you, Dean. And thank you, Kira, for talking about Halloween 3 as part of that season. Um, but it is worth noting that like... Oh, it's Trakes the Water future. F- <laughs> yes, it's the future. It's this the future. Is, oh, okay, this okay, is okay, the okay, year okay, 2000. Okay. Yeah. Um, but... Um, <laughs> We somewhere part of you is still watching Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. Um, yeah, we're we're uh, no. I was about to say that we're we're all public domain, but we'd have to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's the twist. That's the episode ending twist. But like, it is worth noting. Like, Frank Waterfield has said, like his big influences making this movie were like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, and Wrong Turn. 
And one of the most interesting recurring motifs when you read his interviews in press for this movie is he cannot shut up about how much he hated Halloween ends. Good! I just want to see Mike Myers destroying and killing, he says, referring to the more artsy take in Halloween ends. No, what? <laughs> I've had my, I don't want to do Elevator. That's probably Halloween ends! Oh my god, okay. What? Uh, so I thought it was, like, all the, everything terrible about it. Not that it was elevated hard. No, he's like, he's like, no, no. Yeah, none of this artsy stuff. I just want slashing and killing. Oh, no. Oh, no. But yeah, so like, God. and again, how much of this movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right down to the hooks and the swords and the dungarees. It's fascinating how thin a skin this place is over Texas Chainsaw. Like, whatever about Pooh being public domain, it does feel like the real property that he's ripping off is Texas Chainsaw. Right? Well, well all, take, all slasher yeah. movies are ripoffs of Texas Chainsaw and Halloween. And rightly so. Fair. Yeah. But the the thing for me about it is that if you're going to make this movie for some reason, um, rather than like Jason or Leatherface, you would think you would take more influence from Freddy Krueger and have Pooh and Piglet be like characters instead of just stunt guys in masks. Yeah. Yeah. But they thought if Pooh had any voice whatsoever, Disney would sue them. Is my I... understanding? Yeah, the logic Which seems, seems to... like a weird, uh, I, weird move. It would be too much like Xi Jinping if he spoke. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key difference the, between the two. The problem. <laughs> well, like yeah, when they're... the creative team were dragged in front of the Communist Party, they were like, "Okay, look, he's clearly not Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping speaks. Winnie the Pooh doesn't. Clear <laughs> difference." <laughs> Yeah, they were they were caught between the the, the the rock and the hard place of he can't sound too much like Xi Jinping or the <laughs> or or Jim Cummings as as we the who and just the spectrum of voice available between us he was so narrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, like again, it it does. It's... Done that quiz. <laughs> it's like, are you Jim Cummings or Xi Jinping? <laughs> it's always one. It's or always the other. Winnie the Pooh. Is he answer that? Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the thing where it's like, do I want to give this movie any credit whatsoever? And I don't. But I'm like, there is a germ. It's, it's that thing that Kira said where it's like, the idea is interesting. The execution is god-awful lazy and like fundamentally bankrupt in every sense it is possible for you, something to be bankrupt. You'd almost, um, I mean, do you kind of think like, yeah, it it it, it should have been thrown off like i'm glad they didn't you know, i'm Put glad they were lazy yeah. uh, but it's like or, or do we always want something to be kind of like a a, a labor of love of love <laughs> not a labor of love but a basic competence like again we we've talked about the not Halloween a labor movie. of love but a labor maybe just yeah. like, <laughs> like <laughs> no one would describe friday the 13th part six as a labor of love <laughs> or as motivated by anything other than making a quick buck. And it's wonderful. But yeah, in there's... my opinion, and not in most people's opinion. <laughs> and this this is just a slog. It's just a slog. But if I were making You think a... if you're gonna rip off Texas Chainsaw, like Darren said, like like do it do it right. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do they have a generator? It being good. <laughs> why why do they have like I know it's not the most important issue, but I'm like 
the movie goes out of its way of explaining that they have a generator that is powered by bicycle. And I'm like, that just raises more questions about the situation. (laughs) (laughs) The movie's like, how do they have electricity? Oh, Piglet cycles on a bike and it turns on the generator. I'm like, several questions arise from this situation. (laughs) Um, But like, if I were making a case for this movie, and I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate. You don't believe in like a a non-linguistic intelligence. Oh, like arrive! We're getting into the arrivalness. I love they that. Like, intuitively understand things. <laughs> they do, like electricity and cannibalism. Yeah, uh, yeah. By the way, I love that the movie goes out of its way to tell you that Pooh doesn't speak, and it goes out of its way to tell you that they became nonverbal. And then they go and they meet Cassandra, who has apparently been tortured there all day. It's like, yeah, Sh- their names Charlene, are Pooh and Piglet. They're abominations. Why, why is uh, she Cassandra in your mind? <laughs> sorry. She doesn't warm them about the. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Fair, sorry, not Char- Char- lead, lead to... <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I gave the movie more credit for a, a literary reference that it was not making. But like, okay, so Charlene is like, she's like, their names are Pooh and Piglet, and they they were able to grunt and make noises, and here is their entire backstory. And then the next yeah. sentence is like, they won't even talk, and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this they is had some sort of broken scene. English. Yeah, it's like do tree. Do three versions of this because I haven't figured it out yet. And we'll use all three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I were making an argument for this movie, which seems to be the hill that I am slowly pushing this boulder up. The Pooh's advocate, if you will. The Pooh's advocate, if you will. Is this a poo? is, Is this a movie? Is this a movie tied to its roots as a statement against, you know, intellectual property copyright all this sort of stuff is this a movie about the idea of being held hostage by the intellectual property of our childhood is this a movie about how as children we love these things and we we grow up with them and we cherish them and we hold them and then at a certain stage like c.s lewis said we put away childish things and we move on in our lives and we become adults we we go to college we we get married and in the modern day and age in this world dominated by corporations with vast libraries of intellectual properties, legacy sequels, brands churning out content endlessly. You can watch Star Wars, you can watch Star Trek. There's always another sequel, another remake, another reboot to keep the property fresh. Is this a story about how we never leave our childhoods behind and how our lives have become a horror film in which we are chased through a vast, uncaring, empty world by the specter of the things that we loved as children? That we can't escape. That we cannot escape like and will not let us. we're trapped into Disney Plus. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that is. That, uh, watch now on Disney Plus. No. No. no I, um, I, I felt... why? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was St. Paul who said that, not C.S. Lewis. But uh, Oh, sorry. Apologies. I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> no, you're probably Dean, right. Do you I, know? I don't know immediately now. Okay, I'll, I'll Google it. C.S. Lewis t- maybe added the the addendum of including the fear of being seen as childish. That may be Lewis's contribution to it. I apologize. I would what say... What was the quote? Um, yeah, it's from the letter I- to the Corinthians. Ah, cool. When I was a man, I put away childish things. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I would say that you could stare at a turd in a toilet bowl all day, and per- chances are eventually you will see a shape of something there but that doesn't mean that the shape was put there by you know like eventually yeah. just it's just that your favorite saint paul in... quote <laughs> um, at first we see through a, a toilet darkly um, 
<laughs> Eventually, the turd turns and looks like a C. Nobody wrote the letter C in their poo. It's just a turd. Like this has this <laughs> might have the the very vague shape of a film about being terrorized by the icons of our own childhood. But it's it's about <laughs> it's about two guys in 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 masks who are we are supposed to believe are not pe- are not people in masks but actual beings oh. <laughs> <laughs> who who, who yeah. do murders I, I love the sequences where like Winnie the Pooh is like wearing kitchen gloves the, the issue of what what type of being they are <laughs> is is a big issue in the film that it does not address the because... monstrosities they're they're abominations they're abominations but christopher robin was friends with them as a child and like it's it's hard to imagine a little boy being friends with these these sort of part man part bear part pig (laughs) creatures that's because there were no immortal masks they could buy that look like you could put them on children i think the problem is is that none of the subsequent characters came with picnic baskets (laughs) 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 there's no foods like what are these people gonna do for the like kind of weekend where you're getting over (laughs) uh, a stalker (laughs) it's like just kind of yeah they they were just could continue making kind of like like Instagram reels and TikToks un- until they become emaciated kind of skeletons. <laughs> um, and then pick the weakest member of the group to eat. Exactly, yeah. Uh, like, the, again, this is one of those like things with the movie where you have Marie, who is ostensibly the final girl, although she's eventually replaced by Christopher Robin, but she's the one who carries much of the movie from its like opening 20 minutes onwards. And she has this story, again, about a stalker. I love, by the way, is a Tina in the pool who's like, "Are you stalking Marie?" And then gets out, gets <laughs> out, of, gets out of the pool. It's La- Lara, La- Lara, the- sorry, Lara gets out of the pool, taps the light on, and then says, "Stalker's not ruining my holiday." And then gets back in the pool, knowing that there's a man dressed like Winnie the Pooh wandering around the estate. It does Winnie the hey. Pooh exist as a figure in, in this world, or? No. Okay. I, I feel like no. Yeah. So I guess he just didn't have any warning signs that it was strange for a man to be dreadful. <laughs> to be having the, yellow skin in the face of a bear. In this in this in this I, world. I, I I think good good for her. I I was not bothered by that. I thought it was fine. No, me neither. <laughs> I I guess There's much in, more to be bothered by. In this world, um, A. A. Milne was in Killed desert. In world War One. No, he, is it? <laughs> he was in desert. That's for that's for the shared universe. That's for he, the crossover. Was, We're going to travel back in time and meet A. A. Milne. Yeah. He was in Desert Storm, and then he was in the Home Guard during the Iraq War, um, and and created these stories for <sighs> his uh, child. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> In order to get war on terror, yeah. In order, so did what? What was the purpose of of A. A. Milne writing these 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 stories? Do we think? Um, oh, that, in the world of the of the film, do we want him to keep? Do does he want his child to keep playing with the toys or to stop playing with the toys? Want to stop? I mean, 
at its core, this is a story about the danger of feeding wild animals. It's a don't feed the swan story. It's a story about what happens when you go into the wilderness and you start giving wild animals food. Or to visit your parents, maybe. That's a good point. That, that's yeah. also it's a story about you shouldn't visit your parents. Yeah. Wait, no. You, no, you should. So, like, the, 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 one of the things about... Because the, the relationship between Pooh and Christopher Robin is, like, the most interesting thing in the film, which is not saying much, but, like, the, the thing of it is, is... Um, the Chris Christopher Robin's abandonment of Pooh and Piglet is so shallow and unmotivated. Like he went away to college, okay, but and then never visited home ever again. So you don't get like the sense of like a short, sharp shock of a betrayal for there to be. For for Christopher to regret and for Pooh to be mad about, it's just he, he just, it's it's like he moved away and they drifted apart, and <laughs> you know I've I've had friends move away and we drifted apart and I did not become accountable over it. And well, you're so you're a better just, would, person than I. <laughs> it would, but it would just it would be it would be so much better if if there had been a betrayal of some kind, even if it was like a misunderstanding. Yeah. Just so that the characters would have motivations that made sense, because Christopher apparently cared so much about Pooh Piglet, and then like never visited ever again, even though it's literally beside his childhood home <laughs> yeah and it's well, also like so the first I thing i do is introduce my wife is to these guys yeah like i did he did he ever visit home at all does he hate his parents what's going on i think definitely not and that's what it's about i i, I think it's, it's it's about how you should visit home yeah i, I well not. i i think it it, fe- it feels like it it ought to have been written by like an old boomer who wants his his, 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 his to, to, yeah. So this is the in-universe it's AA Milne It's about story. how if you haven't visited home, don't bother coming now. <laughs> <laughs> Even before yeah. the whole betrayal and leaving abandonment, blah 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 blah. It's a hundred acre wood. Are they pandas? Can they, do they not have the? Like metabolism to get away from their immediate environment and go find some food for themselves. Like also, he has like bees. He has a little army of bees, and it's like, oh my there- god, I forgot about the bees. <laughs> Animals Not the bees produce food. Yeah, <laughs> the food he eats. Oh yeah, my god, who loves eating honey? That's his whole thing. Uh- and, and like it does, the the movie gives you plenty of shots of him eating honey and it dripping down uh, his face. How would we feel if they did this to Paddington? I've never seen the Paddington films, so I have like no feelings about. I just have no feelings about the the bear wa- whatsoever. I I I think that if you made a horror movie about Paddington, it could come across as like like a far right anti immigrant movie. Yes, because he's from Peru, and I would be yeah. concerned about that. Yeah, but maybe fair. that would be interesting, <laughs> at the very least. Um, yeah. Or and again, just how shoddily put together this movie is, where you have Marie, who is ostensibly the final girl, although she's not. Christopher Robin really is, but where she has this story with the <laughs> stalker, which is meant to be in 
a better coherent movie, as Andrew said, it would be a story about, to quote Jamie Lee Curtis, trauma. Um, but it would be a story about like, oh, she vanquishes the specter of the stalker by vanquishing Winnie the Pooh. Except this is not a competently made horror movie in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It's such a weird inclusion. It's like they show up from a different movie. It's like they just rock on. <laughs> they took a wrong turn and didn't show up to the right shoot. And they just, they were doing such cheap, interchangeable horror schlock that they didn't notice they were shooting a different movie. There's a, the, the stalker is sitting in another house in another Airbnb just waiting for them and just checking his watch going, they're meant to be here by now, right? Yeah. There's, there, there's a lot of poorly uh, drawn clapboard in this. Like where, where there's the 100 acres wood uh, clapboard and there's also the R.I.P. Eeyore. <laughs> <laughs> really shoddy which i love that like Pooh vowed never to speak again but wrote or ip igor on a tombstone which i quite like but there were you know his friend died yeah non-verbal non-verbal i mean did they also cannibalize uh kanga not as writing and speaking are separate i think that's fine. all all the others that they don't mention i feel like that guy reese whatever his name is was like i'm keep I'm keeping these guys for the sequel because they're not in the public domain for like a year or two. <laughs> and I will, I've, I, I, he decided that only after already commissioning the, the opening animation <laughs> where they're all featured. So he just uh, does not mention them. And like in this, in, in Winnie the Pooh 2, like Pooh's going to be backed up by Rabbit and Owl. Winnie the Two. Rabbit, <laughs> Rabbit and Owl. Kanga is still not in the public debate for some reason. <laughs> Tigger being safe for part three, obviously, is the <laughs> final boss. The yeah. problem, I think, with Owl, Rue, and Kanga is how do they move about? And, like, can we get two lumbering actors in? <laughs> <laughs> Convincingly play in, Owl. In, yeah, in, yeah. Why yeah. is Owl just loitering? Yeah. They it just need to buy one of the old Jeepers hands. Creepers monster suits and then just paste some feathers onto it. Maybe Owl is the drone we see early in. <laughs> oh, we're seeing we're seeing the movie from it's, Owl's it's perspective. Oh my God, that's POV Owl POV. shot. Yeah, yeah. Um. That would be. I would, it would genuinely be cool if there was intermittent drone shots throughout the film, and then all of a sudden one of them swoops down, and you realize it's been Owl this whole time. God, we're coming up with a great movie. <laughs> yeah, but but they can't afford to show Owl, so it's like one of the characters that said, "Did you see that Owl thing? Wow." <laughs> Um, there are some some all time clunker kind of lines here where it's like, oh my god, um, there's a guy outside, and they look at the bloody message, and one of the characters says, it "Must have been written by the guy outside." <laughs> <laughs> you can't sacrifice lines like that when you need to make it to eighty four minutes, Darren. <laughs> That's it. You can't cut or trim. Um, I was just gonna say with, about the the animated opening. Do you think that's because they couldn't afford or didn't know how to show what happened in that in the in live action? I think they probably always had that as like a storybook, you know, showing sister events in a storybook. Format. Oh, I thought I thought that while it was happening, and then as the film went on, I was like, No, I think they dropped a. <laughs> I think they dropped a, a big budget up. On the animation. Okay, okay, okay. I, I part of me does suspect that it's like that's the point where they realize this was going to be successful. Because again, it's worth noting that according to Frakes Waterfield, 
You'll, it will shock you. You will be shocked. A very trustworthy man. Go on. A very who who can absolutely be taken as <laughs> word of God about this production of this film. But he's talked about how this movie, it may shock you, did not screen for critics before it was released. Now, according to Frank's Waterfield, that was because he was worried about piracy. That was the only reason he did not screen this for critics before it released. Uh, but he was like, if I'd known how big it was, we would have organized press screenings. And part of me is like, that is obviously nonsense. But I do wonder if the animated intro is in part, we realize we've got attention for this project now. We can actually afford to spend money on it, even though we've already shot yeah, it. Yeah, the real reason he didn't do, do press screenings was because they were still doing post-production. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh crap, we have to, we have to, we have to... This was this was a fifty thousand dollar fifty thousand pound movie or whatever until days beforehand, and then they commissioned <laughs> the animation as the entire rest. The, the, they doubled the budget. It's good animation, right? It, I actually don't mind the. It's the yeah. best part yeah. of the movie, yeah, as like low a bar the, as that is. Yeah, absolutely. Shining lights, I think. I mean, the, yeah, the, the music that accompanies it and stuff. We, we should also, and the narration, whoever the narrator is, yeah. is probably the best performer in the movie, to be clear. <laughs> I, I also think that gets the point of, like, Christopher Robin being only scarcely available, despite being a no-name actor. Where it's like, could you not just recast the role and have him be in all the movie? But the bit where, like, he's attacked by Pooh, he's dragged away in animation. They show him being dragged, and they show uh, Mary being cooked in animation. Mm-hmm. And it's the only time that they do that for events in the present day. And part of me is like... Is that because they literally did not have the actor available to shoot him being dragged off into a room? Because you see him or later on. But why is he so busy? <laughs> or were they? What's he busy Nanli- doing? Bambi the record. Were they adding that at the last second to to set up future? college and non-league football? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so college yeah. during the week and <laughs> yeah, non-league football during the weekends. Um. All right, is there anything else we want to talk about with regards to the movie? Anything that we haven't discussed already? Anything jumping out at people? I I like that Tina was mulched. I that's the way <laughs> that's the way yeah. I want to go. Actually, the, the biodegradable. Yeah, exactly. I want to be made into like a little a CGI slurp, little Andrew liquefied Andrew slurry. <laughs> that the yeah, the first thing. I was waiting for the whole time is there's a historical method of murder involving honey called scaphism where you it's of debated his, historicity but basically you fill two canoes with honey and then you basically bind them together with somebody inside and then you just leave them to get eaten by the insects and vermin attracted by the honey and I was waiting for anything even slightly as gory or cool or like messed up as scapism as happened in this movie and nothing happened that was even one millionth as interesting as that and that's just something i read in like horrible histories when i was 12 i was very <laughs> disappointed by the lack of honey-based murder in a film called blood and honey significant food ways there yeah as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean I do, I do love that when like when Mary and Christopher are exploring this incredibly elaborate space that Piglet and Pooh put together, complete with like caravans and like a parked car out front. Glamping. Lo- yeah. <laughs> Love that Pooh Poo knows how to drive a car as well is also a note that I have here. Um, but-, <laughs> but not how to go to a shop to buy some food. Yeah. But like, I love I, that when in they're. In fairness, if Pooh went into a shop, people would be like, ah. Yeah, I feel but, like 
he he can do things that Why? that that letter face yeah can do. <laughs> so he can yeah. andrew horror fan quinn here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but i get yeah, I, I kind of I love that when they're when Mary and Christopher are wandering around this incredibly creepy space. The bit that seems to set them off is seeing the glass jars of honey, glass jars to be clear, of honey tipped over, spilling out sinisterly. It's like, yeah, this is what sets me up that something's wrong here. It's not the fact that there's a whole bunch of empty caravans out front. It's the food waste involving all the dripping. Honey. <laughs> that's that's the get out of here like warning. Only a freak has that much honey spilling that freely. Is there any inappropriate smoking in here? Any inappropriate smoking? No, I don't believe there was. I can't think of any anyway. There is, of course, uh, Maria gets her her, her throat slit, like Clarence Boddicker. I mean, there is also RoboCop massive head trauma massive for head Tina, trauma. Is it? Yeah. yeah, That's also obligatory Robocop reference. Yeah, it, it's, it's Zoe gets uh, sledgehammered in the face. Um, what happens to Tina... Tina gets run over by the car. Tina gets mulched. Oh, sorry. Tina gets mulched. Who's the one who gets run over by the car? Uh, the that Instagram? is Lara. Lara, sorry. Lara's the one who's kind of like performatively. I, feel bad about I thought that she was um, like uh, non diegetically um, performing like a sexy dance in her bed, but I think she did have a phone. So it's like we believe that in in the in the, in the world of, uh, of 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 the movie. Um, well, there's a she, moment where like I this is one of the things where I should rewatch the movie to validate, but I don't ever want to rewatch the movie. But she's looking at. I thought it. You thought it. Was I a thought mirror. it was a mirror. Yeah, but I think it is a her phone, her phone that she's posing yeah. for. But then she goes downstairs and picks up her phone. Um, which is one of those weird continuity things because she's upstairs filming herself in her swimsuit. Then she's next seen downstairs in her, her dress. She's just she's just feeling herself. Yeah, yeah, maybe feeling her out. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else we want to talk about with this movie? Anything in your notes? So, Dean, Kira, Andrew, anything we haven't discussed already? Anything jumping out at you? Um, Dean, do you want to read your Letterboxd review of this movie? <laughs> sure. Uh, so recently I was awake at a... Don't set it up. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Just read That's it. Fair. <laughs> I'll get it up. Do as much setup as this movie provides. <laughs> I don't have time to do an automatic <laughs> <laughs> cartoon. Thanks for being so intuitive on desktop letterboxed. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. I watched this in June. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. I watched this for a podcast I was meant to guest on, so I didn't rate or review it to preserve suspense, but then the episode was cancelled due to scheduling issues. I'm writing this review months later as a distraction while I wait for the ambulance I rang almost an hour ago to arrive. I'm usually foolishly hesitant to seek medical care, but I'm genuinely worried that I'm having an actual factual heart attack as I write this, so I thought it was probably a good idea. Anyway, this film sucks, and not even in any of the dozens of ways it could suck and still be interesting, if not entertaining. Its main sin is being very, very boring, and it deserves to go to hell. I hope this isn't the last thing I write as I die waiting for an ambulance, but I have to admit that would be pretty funny. Amazing. Wow, okay. <laughs> I am also, not only am I sorry for making you watch the movie, I am sorry for making you hold that inside yourself as well, apparently. <laughs> I don't know whether that contributed to the health issues, but I can't possibly have helped Dean carrying he, around. He was the... fine. I was fine, fine yeah. Okay. All right. Ironically, I did catch COVID at the hospital while they were deciding I was fine. 
Oh, yeah, we, we haven't mentioned this movie gives you COVID. <laughs> we, should, we should have said that before. Should have mentioned it before everybody watched it, to be clear. Um, all right, then. And out of curiosity, we were supposed to record this back in June, July. Um, did either of you, did I make you guys watch it twice? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Sensible. Okay, good, good. That would be a total Darren that, that would, Yeah. No. Well, in my defense, I was not the one who cancelled, but anyway, all right. Um, so, I know. Tension. Um, all right, then. So I think that then wraps it up, Andrew, unless there's anything in your notes. Um, they're, like, annoyingly passive. There's so many times where they're, like, watching stuff happen. Yes. They're like... Oh no! <laughs> Where Charlene is like circling with Piglet. Um, yeah. And it, who's the one who takes the time to tie Piglet up and then smash his brain in, which feels like it's a lot of effort? That is um, uh, Alice. 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 Alice yeah. gets her mouth impaled by a sword. Yeah. She does. Um, and is it Charlene gets her face eaten by Piglet when it's after it's covered by honey, right? I f- I've, 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 I've Even though honey is poo's thing. <laughs> I feel like um, I'm um, that guy at the end of the Chicago 7. <laughs> I, I have to name these people and how they died. It's <laughs> <laughs> just a freeze frame, kind of like the Irishman. We just pause every once in a while and say Charlene got her face eaten by Piglet after being covered in honey. Did, um, yes. can Piglet, I... well loved by all, died of death. <laughs> um, the gun i know mary I... was choked <laughs> by a train um, and then eaten by Pooh and piglet apparently if we're to believe the animatic um and then bathed uh robin in her blood as well christopher in her blood the way so she died the way that she lived but i do like <laughs> I... The... Yeah? yeah okay no i i got nothing i got nothing oh the gun which is just a weird thing, right? I know it's a movie full of weird things, but the bit where it's like, oh, I have a gun upstairs, despite the fact this is seemingly set in England. Yeah, well, it's set in England, uh, it's set in England, but it, it, in an American B- Airbnb from Colorado that is just in <laughs> England for some reason. Yeah. It's the exact same house that you shoot every low-budget <laughs> yeah. low-budget horror film that allegedly set in Colorado is in this one Airbnb in Aspen. <laughs> there's and so there's it's the house from Open House. It's um, like the, this like Anglosphere for guys, yeah. <laughs> like American, like Australian. There's a Kiwi. Yeah. South African. Thank goodness we were just driving down this road at night. <laughs> so you like to scare girls, do you? Yeah. I feel like I had that experience a lot of times in England with these <laughs> like kind of mouthy guys who never do anything. Um, <laughs> kind of like, do one, give him one, swift one. And, and it's like, let's, let's circle him some more. <laughs> um, uh, all right, then. I think that about wraps it up, then. Um, unless there's anything else anybody here wants to say about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, but before we go, what we normally do is we ask our guests to recommend something. So it could be something related to the movie that we have just watched. It could be something completely unrelated. And to give Kira, to give Dean a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. I recommend um, our own uh, Chucky season. And the uh, uh, Child's Play, Bride of Chucky, Cult of Chucky. I like that we just the speed run of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Not Child's Play 3. <laughs> no, I don't like recommend the movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Those, uh, uh, those films, I think. Uh... Not Seed of Chucky, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I, no I, what am I talking about? Absolutely Seed of Chucky. Yeah, yeah. Watch that. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. Um, all right, then. And Kira, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Related or unrelated to the movie? Um related i thought i'd recommend some slasher movies so uh friday the 13th part 2 the best friday the 13th film nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge and three dream warriors pieces it's exactly what you think it is <laughs> uh slumber party massacre which is extremely funny and uh and of course the delightful body swap horror comedy freaky yes from, like, yes two years ago yeah, have you fun. seen Freaky, Andrew? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw Freaky. It's a great movie. It is a well, great what movie. Is, Just Andrew doesn't watch what? <laughs> um, and unrelatedly, uh, it turns out Master Commander: The Far Side of the World is just as good as everyone on Twitter says. Dudes rock. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a great pun. It has a single great pun, which, as we all know, is essential for a five-star movie. The the lesser of two. Lesser yeah, of two. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Dean, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? I have a, a, a real smorgasbord here, so I'll go quick fire. Completely unrelatedly, just two films that I don't think have gotten their due so far this year. Charlie Day's Fool's Paradise, written directed by a starring Charlie Day of It's Always Sunny Philadelphia. That's a great film. I, I, I don't know why the critics, what, what the critics got wrong, but they got it wrong. They're wrong. It shouldn't have all these low ratings. It shouldn't be Oh, poor Charlie Day finally got his movie out and it's not doing well. It's great. The rules. Well, so what you're saying uh, is every Charlie has his day. <laughs> he will. He will. Uh, also on Netflix, there's a film called Hunger. It's a Thai film uh, set in uh, like a really one of those real fancy kitchens with an abusive psychotic boss. And it stars uh, a Thai actress called Chudaman Shantrosi King that I really like. And I'm recommending it because it's the film of hers that is going to remain on Netflix probably for the foreseeable future since they're doing less of the just pulling random crap off their streaming service than everyone else. Um, more directly related to uh, Blood and Honey, if you wanted some dark mess of stories, violent, horrible stories based on childhood characters, read the classic 90s fanfic The Day of the Barney trilogy, which starts with Barney like you know, sending out a signal to turn all kids into monsters to who will murder their parents and ends with a, in, by part three, it turns out him and baby Bop have been around since the, the dinosaurs. And in fact, caused the meteor to kill the dinosaurs and also mentored Hitler and stuff like this. It's off the wall, hateful fanfic by someone who just really hated Barney in the nineties. And, uh, the, the, the terrible secret of animal crossing which is more thoughtful and actually good, uh, and not just <laughs> so, Barney. Barney caused uh, Hitler. It caused the Holocaust. Um, yes. So you're looking forward to Daniel Kaluuya's Barney movie, then I take it. I am cautiously optimistic about Daniel Kaluuya's <laughs> Barney movie. I don't think it's going to involve Hitler somehow. <laughs> As a, 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 a real movie that is related is. And nobody's. <laughs> this is an easy thing to to fulfill, but if you get a chance to see the People's Joker, I saw it when it was in Dublin for gays, and uh, if you just 
if you if you can do just because you probably won't get another chance at it. I loved it. It's great. It's you will most people will probably hate it. See it anyway. And um, my, my, one of my musical and comedy heroes, uh, Tom Lehrer, I've been on a real kick of listening to him all year. And he actually put his life's work uh, as a musician into the public domain himself uh, while he's still alive, uh, which is awesome. And uh, you should, everyone should just go listen to his music because he's one of the greatest comedy songwriters of all time. He's just a really funny guy. Oh, and also our uh, four-part miniseries on our podcast, Love at Worst Sight, since we're talking films that are, like, the worst, or potentially the worst. Uh, check that out, I guess. That was June? Is it? Is that was mm, February and March. Uh, it starts was, with The Happening. It was this year. It Some starts time. with The Happening and ends with A Night to Dismember. Anyway. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, in terms of, of recommendations uh, for myself, uh, very quickly, obviously, Pooh has entered the public domain. Um, there's been a bunch of stuff. Um, you should not watch the uh, Ryan Reynolds advertisement that he made, Winnie the Screwed. What you should watch is Apocalypse Pooh, which is a classic Todd Graham animated mashup um of apocalypse now and winnie the pooh which is much more interesting than it really should be 100%. um it was made in the 1980s so it like predates a lot of modern youtube mashup culture but is fascinating to watch as a result of that um and i would also recommend the russian winnie the pooh which is fascinating because it's a completely different take on the concept character and iconography um it is beautiful the animation is stunning and, you know, I, I also, as part of research for this, watched a lot of classic Winnie the Pooh, and that's also quite good as well. I will say that I, I've learned that Andrew doesn't like that I tap my head when I think, apparently. And that is something I apparently learned as a six-year-old kid watching Winnie the Pooh. I was watching <laughs> I was watching Winnie the Pooh, and I was watching him think really hard, tapping his head, and I'm like, that's, that's where I learned how to think really hard. So a formative <laughs> influence on young Darren Mooney, Winnie the Pooh. You say, oh, butter. I do, I do say oh bother quite a lot actually to be fair <laughs> and I have been compared to Xi Jinping as well like I mean it's, 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 it's that time you got stuck in honeypot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look it could have happened to anyone right <laughs> stop bringing it up um, but yes so Kira where can listeners find a bit more Kira Maloney if they're looking for some Kira Maloney in their lives where can they find you what you yeah, up to um <laughs> sorry uh yeah i uh i co-host the podcast the sunday presents with dean and you can read my writing on our website the sunday the sunday.net sunday with an e i'm chief film critic for current affairs and i've also written for fangoria and paste and quick and Recky and various other places on the internet and you can follow me on twitter at underscore kira maloney maloney's with an o and kira's spelled correctly <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and we will include those links in the show notes as well and dean what about yourself watch out watch up there uh, i'm at, at dean f buckley on twitter for the time being i'm probably not if t t you know twitter's been going down for like a year if twitter does go down don't try to find me anywhere else because i'm not setting up a whole new <laughs> account on blue sky or any of that crap <laughs> Well, you're on Letterboxd. Uh, I, am on, I am on Letterboxd at Sublime Insomnia, but I, I 
I do not write my reviews to be entertaining, so don't follow me there if you if you, if you want if you want reviews that are going to like make you laugh or you're going to be excited. If you, if you want like one of those letterbox influencer reviewers, stay away from me because sometimes <laughs> I will just write one word as a note to myself. <laughs> but but those are options. So what you're saying is you're the Reese Frake Waterfield of letterbox <laughs> reviewers. You don't care if anybody enjoys it. As long as it yeah, exists. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you can follow the podcast at At The 250. We're on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and iTunes, wherever good podcasts are found. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be kicking off. We've finished our Halloween, looking at the 13 Halloween movies. We are, oh, sorry, that was a very Piglet-esque snore for me. Apologies <laughs> um, for all our Piglet listeners. Um, but we are coming off a season of our 13 I wish Halloween Piglet movies. was snorting in it. He just, like, just went around wearing a pig mask. No, he does. They do, but it's, it's not. Two. It's not. It's not piggy. It's it. Whatever. And also, he has chains and like a sledgehammer. It feels like pick one. Yeah. It's like pick a gimmick, yeah. piglet. Don't <laughs> don't be greedy. Like or wrap you, the you, chains around the sledgehammer and pretend that makes them more dangerous, like in pro wrestling. Like there is the famous sequence where he like the, well not the famous sequence the sequence where he's slashing at the pool with the chain and you're like this is just ineffective. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the famous, the the one that will be studied. So yeah, that's some some of the some of the characters in this movie should probably not have um, let themselves be killed. <laughs> yeah. uh, regardless of how <laughs> not to victim blame, but regardless yeah. of how vain they were. <laughs> um, all right, and next week, with a bit of luck, depending on Andrew's editing skill. We'll be back with the wonderful Phil Bagnall, the fantastic Max Tolan. We will be talking about an actual classic film that is actually on the IMDb 250. We'll be talking about Joan of Arc, the passion of Joan of Arc. Join us next week. Thank you so much, Kira. Thank you so much, Dean. I am sorry again <laughs> for this. Um, thank you for your patience. Thank you for agreeing in the first place. And thank you for coming on to talk about it. It yeah. really was. No, you made thank this you very fun. Much for having us. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> overall, you. the experience of, of, of watching that movie and then recording a, a podcast with you guys, I could when, recommend. When you net the experience, it averages out to like doing nothing, which is It's great. like I wouldn't recommend the unauthorized Saved by the Bell story, but that time that me and Kira watched it in college with some of our friends was pretty fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Enjoy Thanks for having us. Bye. 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 Bye.